It's Real Talk with Raylene Chalinor, foster care and adoption. Hi, and welcome back to another Real Talk. I am your host, Raylene Chaloner, and this is Real Talk with Real People about foster care and adoption. And today's Real Talk, you guys, is with Mrs. Lauren Shepard. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. This is really fun. Lauren and I met up at the park, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I had the privilege of hearing Lauren and hubby Sean I heard their story of private adoption, and so I invited her to be on the show because I know you guys are going to just be inspired and encouraged by their story. Uh, You guys have four kids all through private adoption. We sure do. Four little kids. All (laughs) All under the age of what? Seven. All under the age of seven. You got it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And I have to tell you, this is radio and podcast, so um, guys... Lauren is looking pretty good, I'm telling you, <laughs> for having four kids under the age of seven. I'm schleppy tonight, and she is looking pretty good. You are too sweet. <laughs> Lots of coffee, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so let's just, like, jump right in. Sounds good. Four kids, private adoption. Can we just assume there were infertility issues or... You guys just thought, hey, let's adopt. What's the story there? So, yeah, the story is we got married. We actually were missionaries to Cambodia for a little bit. So for a while, that was our focus. That was our mission. And then, of course, we had always wanted a big family. And so after a couple of years, we decided to start trying for that. And, um, you know, that was our heart's desire to be parents. That's all I ever wanted my whole life was to be a mom. I just wanted to be pregnant so desperately. Mm. And we tried for many years and did not understand why God wasn't <laughs> fulfilling that desire that we had. And so yeah. we, um, were tested and I won't get into that whole story, but, oh. um, found out that we had, pretty much one option and they said we could do IVF mm-hmm. and that was about our only option and it was um, a time of wrestling for us to try and figure out what we wanted to do but um, God started really working on our hearts and I remember we, we had a couple different appointments and when on the last appointment that we went to to discuss our options we were driving away and I remember feeling sad for about five minutes mm. that we couldn't get pregnant and I was feeling so down about that and all of a sudden it was like the spirit just washed over me and gave me this peace Mm -hmm. and this feeling that there was a baby in a womb somewhere that needed us and that we were going to be called to adopt and it just it was amazing how God did that because I went I clearly remember this day where I went from feeling so sad and distraught that my life's dream just wasn't coming true to just instantly feeling so at peace mm. that I felt like God had a plan in this. Yeah. And I mean, sure enough, it was true. There was a baby in the womb at that time that needed us because four months later, our oldest son, Zion, was born. So, <gasps> Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. It was. And my favorite part of that story is um, from that turning point on, I, I never looked back. I never felt the pain of infer- infertility. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent years crying about that and feeling 
that pain and just only wanting to be pregnant. And from that day on uh, to this day, I mean, it's been seven years now and I've never once felt sad or upset that that is our story because um, God just put it so strongly in our hearts that adoption was for us. And now we're so thankful for our children and we couldn't imagine it any other way. And so we're truly thankful. Um, Help us understand since Sean isn't here, speak for him. Mm -hmm. How about him? I know you as a mom, you know, you were saying how you felt Mm -hmm. just that longing and this and that. And then God just spoke to you Mm -hmm. about adoption. But Tell us a little bit of Sean's story. That's a really great question. And Sean loves to share this story. So I know he's okay with me sharing it. He loves to share it, especially to potential adoptive fathers, because I've learned, we've learned in talking to lots of couples that a lot of times it seems a little easier for a mother's heart to just sort of make that transition Mm -hmm. of feeling like, oh, this is going to be my baby and it's going to feel the same. And we've heard from a lot of potential fathers that they're very worried. They're worried that they could love somebody else's child Mm -hmm. as their own. And that's their biggest fear. And Sean was wrestling with that a little bit. And Mm -hmm. it was something we really prayed about and wrestled through. And I was kind of the one that just plunged ahead immediately and right away figured out the next steps and had the um our adoption counselor in our house within a few days sitting there talking with us going over everything and actually it was at that meeting that she said hey you know I have this birth mom that really reminds me of you guys and I think you'd get along great and I want you to meet her and we met her that weekend and sure enough she was pregnant with with Zion so that ended up being our little boy it was incredible but um all, through it all, Sean was very was very open and he was very trusting God, but he, he will admit he was a little concerned and he thought, I, I don't know if I'm going to love this baby the same as I would my own. And so he was a little bit fearful about that. And um, he loves to tell this story how... I I was allowed to be in the room when Zion was being born. That was so special. I got to mm-hmm. see him come out. And Sean was waiting right outside the door of that delivery room. And um, as soon as Zion was born, the doctor walked out in the hallway and he said, um, who's, who's the dad? Oh. And Sean said, me? <laughs> and the doctor reached out, shook his hand and said, congratulations, you're a daddy to a little boy. And uh, Sean said from that moment, yeah. it, his heart was just fully for Zion. Wow. He hadn't even met him yet. But that moment on, he thought, I'm a dad and this is my son and I will die for him. Oh and <laughs> that was truly his attitude because we went through... Um, a lot with Zion and after he was born and Sean just maintained that attitude of this is my son and and he was the rock for me even when I faced a lot of doubts about whether or not we were doing the right thing adopting Zion because he had a lot of medical needs and it was a really difficult journey and Sean would just sit there in the NICU for two weeks straight in the rocking chair with Zion on his chest Mm. rocking him singing praise songs to him, reading the Bible to him, praying over him. And he was just like, this is my son and I will do anything for him. I will die for him. And it was so neat to see that um, just instant heart transformation that God gave to Sean. Mm. And he likes to talk about that to this day. And he always tells dads, he says, you know, if you're worried about that, don't even worry. The moment they put that kid in your arms, they're yours. There's no looking back. That's awesome. So, so it does not, uh, it's not on your register that these kiddos don't look like you or do, or do they? I mean, I've seen them. Do you get comments? Do people know what speak to that? Yeah. I mean, you does know, it bother you that they don't have your eyes or your nose or your, 
Right. That's yeah. a great question. You know, we, we didn't know what to expect with Zion because he is half Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so um, we envisioned him, you know, looking half Hispanic. Yeah. And he actually ended up with blue eyes and um, huh? looks a little bit like us. So it's funny because we do get the comment a lot. Oh, he looks just like you. And we always <laughs> say, well, thank you. But, you know, he's, right. he's adopted. Um <laughs> But I think, and we get that with with all our kids. We yeah. get, oh, they all look so alike, or they all look like you. Yeah. And um, I think, first of all, I think families, no matter what nationality you are, no matter your eye color, no matter what, families do take on each other's characteristics yeah, and tendencies and mannerisms. Yeah, <laughs> they do. all kind of end up being alike no matter what. <laughs> so true. But... Um, but that was definitely never our goal to have kids that looked like us. We uh-huh. just, we were going to love any kids that God, you know, gave to us. And right. you really, honestly, I, I, from my perspective, you forget, you forget that they're adopted. You look at them and from, for us at least, the moment those babies were born and placed in our arms, they were ours. Yeah. And you you just don't really think about it again. And it is funny sometimes when people come up and ask you questions and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I kind of forgot today, you know, (laughs) they just feel like ours. They really do. And the bonding for us, I know that for some people they can struggle maybe a little bit with the bonding at first for us. um, I'm just thankful that it was so, there was just this instant connection, this instant love. And Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that, um, with, I would say with all our birth families, um, we were able to spend some time with them while they were pregnant and able to become close with them. And so they already felt like family Yeah. and we were already able to be around that baby in the womb and pray over that baby mm. and, um, spend time with them. And so I think that helped a lot too. I'm a huge mm-hmm. advocate for getting to know your birth parents and, um, building those relationships. Mm-hmm. It really helps, you know, yeah. and then, and then because of that, they invited us to be at the hospital when the children were born because All we had already built, well, there were, there? there were some different stories with different ones. Mostly we got to be there. Yeah. Some, um, our, our youngest daughter was actually born in a hotel room and we got the call that Whoa. she had been born in a hotel and yeah. they were taking her to the hospital and we were going to go and meet her there. So, um, it didn't always work out that way, but we always got to be there right away, right away. Um, and that was really special. And I just, I feel like our, our birth moms were so loving and in, in giving to extend that to us, yeah. to invite us into the rooms, to be a part of everything. I did get to actually watch two of the births and be right there. Mm. And um, Wow. What a privilege. Such a privilege. And such big hearts they had. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories was um, Katie Zion's birth mom. Um, right after she had given, you know, gone through giving birth, the doctor reached in to cut the umbilical cord, and she sat straight up in bed and she yelled at that doctor and she said, "I told you I wanted Lauren to cut the umbilical cord," and they all just stopped, right. handed me the scissors, and that meant so oh, much to yeah, me that even though sister. she was in pain and she just went through all that, she was thinking about me yes. and she was thinking about what would be special to me and make me feel like I got to be a part of it That's and beautiful. there are so many beautiful stories like that I just I love those birth moms so much wow. they're so kind and courageous and I'm just yes. I'm thankful that they get to be a part of our family as well as our children so are they still a part of your family Lauren they are wow. we love all four of them all four of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, there's some. What does it look like? There's more contact with some than okay. others. Um, for and various that reasons, looks like what? Like well, phone calls, letters, all, visits. I mean, all all of the above. Everything. Um, we love getting together as often as possible. Yeah. Especially, well, when the children are first born, we try and get together a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my for my son Zane for example we got together at least once a month for the first year and it was so fun to be a part of that with them and allow them to watch him grow and um we some of our birth moms have moved to different states now so it's more contact over maybe FaceTime or pictures or letters or phone calls Mm -hmm. um and as the kids get a little older now especially Angelina she'll ask to talk to her tummy mommy as she calls her or she'll take pictures every day Angelina will take a picture and say send this to Sarah I want her to see and so it's really sweet to have those relationships and um so we try and do face-to-face as often as we can especially around holidays we try and do little Christmas get-togethers or birthdays we love and you know getting together and doing a big family birthday with um the whole birth family not just the parents but the grandparents whoever wants to join in and I just think it's special that everyone gets to be a part of each other's lives and yes to me, that's important that the kids get to know where they came from and yeah. not grow up asking these questions. Right. Where, where do I come from? Who are my parents? Who are my right. family? You know, it's just part of their life. And for them, it's just normal. The, yeah. This is my tummy mommy and, you know, mm-hmm. and my bio grandma. And they all love me, too. And yes, it's really special. And I think it's um, I mean, I can't speak for them, but I think it's healing for them to be able to see their children in a happy great. family. Being home loved. Being yes, great. exactly. Yeah, and I so, think so, too. Okay, the question we all want to know in our last few minutes here, Lauren, is are you guys on the run from the FBI? Uh, Have you done a bank job? How in the world did a young couple like you guys afford four private adoptions? (laughs) We need to know. The people need to know, Lauren. Okay. How did God show up and show off for the Shepherd family? Well, God started planning that when Sean was born. Um, we <laughs> we are very blessed in that um, Sean's grandparents started putting aside savings for their grandkids when they were born. Wow. And that savings grew. Sean was very diligent about letting it grow and making wise decisions with that. Go and Sean. wanted to save it for Way something go, important. And so... <gasps> Obviously, no way. Getting to bring little children into our family was the most important use of that money ever. So we did have that availability, and that was a huge blessing that I know most people don't have. That's but amazing for people out there because yes. people are always asking me about the finances, and yes. they're like, "Oh, well, how how could you do that?" You know, and people look at you know, I, I'd say each of our adoptions were around twenty two thousand, and people look at that like, "Oh my goodness, how could anybody ever afford that?" And I look at them and I say, "You know, you wouldn't think twice going out and buying a car, car for twenty two thousand right. and getting a loan or doing whatever it takes to get yes. that car." Yes. And so, how much more valuable to um, use that kind of resource, whatever resources you can get to bring a child into your family? Yes. It's worth it. I don't care what you have to do; it's worth it. It is. Is Lauren, that is a good response. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as a recruiter for a foster and adoption agency, I use that line a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, you wouldn't think twice about going out and spending that on a car. Yeah. Yeah. You just have so to put true. it into perspective. What's yes. important. But I mm-hmm. got goosebumps when you said his grandparents were, you know, already preparing for that. Mm-hmm. And that that's mm-hmm. how you guys chose to use that money. Yeah. It's Such just, a yeah, it's just kingdom living. That's, yes. you know. Yes really keeping that in mind. Lauren, thank you so much for being on Real Talk today. I just appreciate you so much. Um, Real Talk listeners, we're going to bring Lauren back. She's not going anywhere. We're going to do a part two because we've got more to talk about. Real Talk listeners, thanks so much for listening. We've come to an end, so it's bye for now from me, your host, Raylene Challoner. That's been another Real Talk.
With a name like Zebrascapes, you've got to be good at what you do. So what does Zebrascapes do? Just listen. They can create the yard of your dreams. From design and installation to maintenance, weed control, irrigation and yard cleanup, to tree care services. Zebrascapes Landscaping and Services, it says it all, and they do it all. Read all about them at zebrascapes.com or get the conversation started at 928-830-4061. Zebrascapes. So what exactly are essential oils and what can they do for you? Well, they can play an important role in your family's health. We'd like to introduce you to Jody Randolph, developer of Creating Healthy Families Naturally. Jody is passionate about helping moms understand the importance of physical, emotional, and financial success with the use of doTERRA essential oils. Learn more about her weekly classes at jodyrandolph.com or call 928-899-7257. Why would you ever add graphic design to your car? Well, because you own a business and need a moving billboard. Because you want to add a really cool accent color to your boring beige sedan. Maybe you'd like a natural graphic. Or you'd like to do something more creative with your company logo. What? Ever you want. ML Arts Vinyl Graphics and Design does it all, from partial wraps to full commercial wraps. Give them a call, 928-308-3568. ML Arts Vinyl Graphics and Design. Listen to the name. Journey Real Estate Investments and Management. Founded in 2008, they bring a new and vibrant experience to property owners like marketing, rigorous screening, drawing up leases, lease enforcement, rent collections, and more, all done with dignity and respect. And that's just the start. If you need property management, look to Journey Real Estate Investments and Management, 928-776-8464. That's 928-776-8464 or journeyazrealestate.com. 